welcome everyone to Films of Women in My Life. My name is Brennan, and joining me tonight is Jess. Hey guys, how are you? And Mama, <laughs> and Mama K. I'm fine. Hi everybody. And tonight we're doing Blonde, the new Netflix behemoth, the three-hour Blonde about uh, Marilyn Monroe's life. Well, not exactly. It's a it's a based on a book called Blonde by Joyce Carol Oates, a best-selling novel, and it's a kind of a fictionalized version of Marilyn Monroe's life. So not not as literal as some of the other biopics we've been doing. A little more fanciful. Uh, but that's all I knew going in. Yeah. Anything you guys knew at all, or did you, or at least knew this is we were doing Marilyn Monroe tonight? Is that uh, we knew that? I didn't know blonde. I honestly thought it was like Legally Blonde until <laughs> I. I would have liked that. Like, oh. That would have been all right. Legally Blonde three, just blonde. Um, yeah, I knew this movie was being made. I knew it was coming out. I didn't really, I guess, know that it was based on um, a novel. Um, by, I mean, she's pretty, you know, famous novelist and, um, yeah. And I of course know about Marilyn Monroe, but besides that. Based on the best-selling novel by Joyce Carol Oates, Blonde reimagines the life of one of Hollywood's most enduring icons, Marilyn Monroe. That's all you need to know. It's getting garbage reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's gotten the low forties and a low thirties on the audience. So, uh, unliked by most, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, four to 10 critics, three out of 10 people. That's still not nobody, but, uh, it's, it's not, uh, not doing super well, but, uh, if you haven't seen it, Netflix three hours, those are the reviews from not us. So we're going to tell you our, our thoughts. <laughs> so this movie is told in like several chapters, a bunch of bit different chapters, starting from Norma Jean when she was uh, just a little kid with her mom, and her mom's mentally unwell and tries to kill her. And then we go through the different relationships in her life are kind of the stages we do. There's the polyamorous one at the beginning. There's the Joe DiMaggio one in the middle. There's the Arthur Miller one towards the end. And then there's the end end where she, uh, uh, I think another movie we did about a, uh, rock and roll star from this time had a similar ending. So, yeah. uh, that's a, I'll keep it as vague as I can going in. Mama K, what'd you think of blonde? Um, it was a really, really long movie and one of the slowest movies we've seen. I think I've said that a couple times in the last several, um, reviews that we've done. But this definitely takes the cake. It was really slow and uh, really hard to watch for a lot of reasons for me. Um, That's where I'm going to (laughs) start. Yeah, when I saw online that it was three hours long, I was like, oh, God, have mercy on my soul. And I saw that it it didn't have that great of reviews either. So I'm like, this is going to be a tough one. So, I honestly, I procrastinated. I cleaned out my fridge even before I watched this movie. Wow. That was my order of priorities of the day. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I was yeah. hoping to get some chores I done. I scrubbed That's the awesome. carpet. Yeah, there I mean, go. I think we were all in the same mode here, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so, like... yeah. Completely took out my fridge, threw everything out, wiped it all down, did that. So, my, my fridge is all good. And I'm like, okay, now, now i got to watch this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I I remember I got up to minute 54 and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I couldn't take a break because at my pace, I knew I wouldn't even finish it in time for the show tonight. So I was just like, 
Sorry, Brennan, I'm I'm taking L for the team. I'm, I'm just I got the gist of it. I I understand it, but I I can no longer continue to watch this. I was afraid to so, respond uh, from Jess's text to both of us about the fact that she wasn't going to be able to finish it because I was at minute like forty seven when I got the text. <laughs> I was like, so you guys, <laughs> when you guys texted me, I I didn't see or or whatever our group chat our group chat for the show. You guys texted me and, and yeah, just said like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like I can't, I, I I can't do it. Apparently, like it's, it's I gotta too give it long. a fair shot. I'm not gonna make I, it. I give it a fair shot. Fifty four minutes, I'd say, is is pretty fair. But uh, an, hour, an hour is a good amount. Yeah, I do, I usually see the group chats and will say uh, be annoyed and then let them do it anyway or let them skip it anyway. But uh, this one I did not realize until five minutes before the show and uh, I called Jess and she said and I was like oh I didn't realize you, <laughs> you hadn't finished it I didn't even see her group chat so um so she's on so she's I here. think the reason yeah. no no I appreciate yeah. it to, to review the first third because I think the reason I didn't pick up what I because I was also watching it I also procrastinated <laughs> this and was watching it right before usually we watch things kind of ahead yes. give it a day or two to marinate yeah. and then record and Every once in a while, yeah, it'll be last minute, and then it sounds like, yeah, all of us were last minute for this. Funny. When I put this on the schedule, I didn't realize it was going to be three hours. I just thought it was streaming. Everything we're doing is in theaters, you know? Everything we're doing is in theaters. There's a lot of, this like, it costs money if you don't have a a thing, and you got to drive to it. So I was like, hey, what's streaming new that's accessible for people who aren't going to theaters? Yeah. I tried to buy a ticket to it in the the theater. I I didn't realize it was streaming. And then I'm like, oh, it's not playing here. And then... (laughs) I was like, oh, wait a minute. It's streaming. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. No, I would. If if I, this isn't one I would make us go out of our way to uh, theaters for, uh, based on what I had heard. Right. But uh, uh, it. So it, it's, it's kind of like um, if it, no one, neither you saw Capone, the recent uh, Josh Trank movie about Al Capone, but it's also um, very uh, surreal and like a lot of like. It's like this movie where in throughout this whole movie there's a lot of dream sequencey yeah. kind of stuff and surrealist imagery. It's very uh it's um like a glossy David Lynch. And I, I'm a huge David Lynch fan, but it's like it's not like a, it doesn't feel like organic and hometowny. It feels very uh uh slick. It feels like Josh Trank's Capone. If if you've seen that, that and you that's that's what this is. Hmm. But it's a little it's a little better than that. That movie's a complete nightmare mess and this is uh not a nightmare mess it is a nightmare and it's messy uh but it's my i i find explain yourself fits and starts of this i find fits and starts of this mildly entertaining and i actually liked the first hour the best so jess i guess you were spared what i thought was worse which was the rest i i i kind of was liking it until the the Joe DiMaggio section, I think that was the part where I was like, I don't, know, I don't like this as much. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, Arthur Miller section's a little better than that section. Yeah, and then the end is like super like like the last fifty minutes could have been five minutes probably. Um, so there's a lot of it that could have been condensed. Like that first part could i think part of it maybe just you can talk to this too but it was like we're spending an awful lot of time in this place i get it her mom is mentally unstable how much you know how much do we have to do this oh do you get to... it are you sure i'm pretty sure after 45 minutes of that was it conveyed clearly what's happening yeah so there's a there's a lot of that 
and and if we could have just condensed it down so that we're not you know what was the point of that i mean this filmmaker doesn't feel very polished or this guy it, andrew dominic has made chopper which i have not seen it's an australian film eric banna i've heard it's quite good Assassination of Jesse Game, Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. It's that long title movie oh. from the mid two thousands, which is also three hours long. Uh, Killing them softly, Brad Pitt. Uh, he's and he's like a hitman kind of guy. And there's other hitmany actors that you'd recognize, like James Gandolfini and uh, who's the other Australian guy? Ben Mendelsohn's in that. Those are that's a I, fine movie, but uh, hmm. this is different than that. Those yeah. stylistically wasn't. So Brad Pitt was in this, or he produced, or he helped produce it. He helped produce it. Him and the director have known each other for a good amount of time. He's been really? the director Andrew Dominic, who like rewrote or did like the screenplay uh, based on the book. Uh, yeah. He's been trying to get this movie going for like a decade, and at times there was Jessica Chastain attached, and I think Naomi Watts was attached at one point. So this is I can see Jessica a, a Chastain being a solid man. Yeah. I think so too. But I mean, I, think, I actually I, really, really like this actress a lot. I think she did an exceptional job. Um, I haven't heard of her before, but I think she played Marilyn really well. Yeah, Anna de Armas is uh, people will know from Knives Out. She's uh, she's kind of the lead of Knives Out, really, even though it's an ensemble. Yes. Um, yeah. And Bond she's girl. in. She's in. Yeah, she's a Bond girl. She's in No Time to Die. Dude, Daniel Craig. There you go. Plays off well. Um, and then that was a, that was part of uh, co- off off controversy that no one cares about is that she was uh, her her um, what is it her ethnicity isn't representative of what Marilyn Monroe was and uh, I think we could say mm-hmm. that none of us care about that shit that doesn't that doesn't no matter I mean like case. she did the hair and makeup like her like she just mm-hmm. was the made voice. to look the part yeah like Mayorisms. I yeah exactly like she was just formed to make this no matter what she looked like from the beginning she looked she looked like Marilyn Monroe from the end <laughs> I think that worked for me for the actually the first part that you saw Jess was I thought because I was kind of listening for her accent I've seen her in a lot of things and she mainly plays with you know her natural accent and so I was listening for that and I thought wow she's doing a really good job um it fell apart with Joe DiMaggio uh I heard nothing but her as opposed to Marilyn and then with Arthur Miller, it was sort of a mishmash in between. So I'm thinking, was this film, you know, was was the part, the later part uh, or the earlier part filmed later where she had more time to get, you know, uh, the dialogue coach all, you know, set or everything. I'm not sure or, or what happened, but it did start to fall apart a little bit for me um, later. Her acting was... I, I thought was fine, and but the the accent thing did did come through a little bit. They had to work on the accent with her apparently quite a bit off offset, but uh, no, I didn't really yeah. notice it in the beginning. But again, the beginning is what I what I liked more. I actually like mm-hmm. I liked the relationship with. So the first relationship is with uh, Charlie Chaplin's son, uh, Charlie Chaplin Jr. and Edward Robinson Jr. Who, uh, Edward G. Robinson's, yeah. I thought yeah, they were like brothers. It seemed like they were. Yeah, at least talk like they had the same dad. Are they brothers? They were in like a no. polyamorous relationship. The yeah, three but of them. The, but like the conversation was like, oh, you don't know like my dad, and I thought they said our dads. They look similar, and they kind of just seemed like they came from similar backgrounds. So I wasn't sure about that. 
I feel uh, like they did look very similar, but they're they, they did. Yeah, if you didn't know the, the character, yeah, it's that they're but they're based on yeah real life famous people, just like a lot of people in this. So, um, but yeah, they're also they. I kind of like that part because they bond over being the like lonely starlight starlets kind of for like the people who like are thrust into starlight but like that's not really like the two the two juniors you know they're Mm -hmm. born juniors like they have they've had no choice in the matter they were going to be you know sons of famous people and then marilyn she came from nowhere which they kind of like but her rise or at least what we're led to believe in this version of the movie her rise is just terribly painful and that's really what i got most of this movie is like it's just very depressing watch it's a very sad gloomy it's just a sad watch the whole time through all the way it's just uh it's it's a it's a lot of feeling feeling bad so it did and i think that was probably the goal so i think that was uh achieved but uh oh man it's it's heavy all the way through it is. It's heavy. It's hard to watch for a lot of reasons. I mean, partly because of of that. And, you know, she's with these two sort of ne'er-do-wells because they're the, you know, they they have, they're always going to have something to prove, you know, just, and Marilyn's the same way. She has, you know, she has something to prove and, and isn't going to be taken seriously. Um, I don't know that she ever really does get taken seriously at all as, as an actress. I think, you know, she winds up being a um, contract player, which doesn't doesn't make hardly any money, and that was common common back then. But um, you know, yeah, I like that one phone call where it's for gentlemen prefer yeah. blondes, which is like one of her biggest big breakout roles. And she says something. It was like Jane's making a hundred thousand. I'm making five k, and I'm the blonde in gentlemen prefer. Yeah, blonde I saw blonde. that part too. <laughs> it made me yeah. wonder how much control, and maybe it was said later in the movie but how much control she had over her career versus she was just being told what to do and just really had no say in just about anything yeah this movie has you believe the care and again the, because this is a fictionalized version of reality which is kind of annoying like i wish you'd either tell the right like the real exact story or as close as you can and like dramatize in the corners or tell it tell this fictional story but don't make it Marilyn monroe make it like a composite character that's based on all Hollywood it girls of their times and tell the right. same story because now we have all these real people and this is like a kind of real thing on some other things but a bunch of this stuff never really happened nor does the source material claim it did so it's like oh, I'm not saying this really happened I'm like okay but that makes yeah. that makes it not but you can uh, also see it all happening you know even though there that maybe there's no um, you know, there's there's no details behind it, or there's no actual truth, you know, that people can read behind it. You can see all of these things happening, um, to someone like her at you know during during this time because this is, I mean, she was born what back in the 30s or whatever. So it's like, yeah, you know, but was another had no, they had no provenance, they had nothing. So. There's another sad moment too, where like she's getting all of her. She's like the the women who like dress her, like the dressing room people, like well, hair and makeup people design. Yeah, and they're getting her stuff together, and she's she's on. She thinks of Marilyn Monroe as like a character. That's a big thing in this is that she's kind of always playing a character all the time, whereas other people yeah. are themselves in their career. She plays this character, and in her 
home world, she doesn't want to be called Marilyn. She wants to be called Norma because that's who she, she thinks of herself as. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. One of them says they like, oh, you're Marilyn Monroe. Everyone would give an arm, you know, everyone would give an arm and a leg to be you or whatever they said. And then she's, we've just seen her be uh, her horrible, like she. She just has a horrible string of things happen to her on the way up. And then she's like, oh, yeah, everyone, everyone want to be me. I know. And like, I'm like, oh, that's so sad. Like all these people who and even like today's celebrity, all the people who want to be celebrity people. And like so many of them are so not happy themselves. Uh, it, it's it's a very. Oh, yeah. I bet that's it's a sad a state. Theme. Like that's why so many celebrities um, overdose or, or whatever, just because I, you get it. All the fame gets to you and there's no privacy and you don't even know who you are. Right. Yeah, did that work and for you? Okay, because you are... the truth about anything. So, uh, okay, so you you are a little bit sympathetic here, because typically, as I've known you, you are unsympathetic to uh, I'll say ho- anyone who's rich and successful and famous, because you're like, how can your life be hard? You're rich, successful, famous. You tend to lean in that camp as long as I've known you. <laughs> are you talking to Jess? I'm talking to you. I'm talking. Oh. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> Jess not and Jess. I both Jess took that personally. No, no, no. Oh, I even think back to the, uh, the, what's that stupid thing you had as well? Okay. The Megan, Megan and Harry interview. And the, out of all of us, who had the most sympathy for Megan? It was, uh, it was Jess. And who had the least? I think, I would say it was Mama Kay. Yeah. Um, yes. I, I understand what you're saying, but there is. You get what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not saying that, that Mer- Megan's Marilyn. I'm saying it's, uh, rich, rich, successful people can, ha- can be sad too. Hey, I watched that uh, Kardashian episode, and I almost cried for Chloe. so she there is you go. <laughs> See? I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm sure that's I'm emotional. Sure. I'm sure it was. But I'm sure all of the cookies in their kitchen that they never eat were put very perfectly in the jars. And, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't doubt. I mean, I think there's a thing about fame. Is it's It's different than being wealthy. Being wealthy, you can be wealthy and be anonymous. And it's the fame piece of it that is really tricky for people and it's probably what actually trips people up more than um more than the the money piece of it so yeah and i would think at this point in time being famous was new just because tv was kind of new so no one really being this famous was new yeah yeah so no one really she it's not like she could understand someone else's perspective or see it somewhere else to know what they're going through to be like maybe this is not the career i want to do but it she just kind of gotten roped into it and i think it just it all happened very fast for her yeah the piece that's glazed over that makes it hard to sort of follow is i mean we see her at seven and everything that happens to her she winds up in the orphanage then all of a sudden yeah she's in you know zucker's office being sexually assaulted and you know like how how did we kind of get how do we kind of get there you know yeah for a movie that's so freaking long they didn't add some of the important parts (laughs) they skipped (laughs) the whole 13 13 years yeah she jumped from being like five years old to like her late 20s or however old she was (laughs) she was in her early 20s then but yeah and but arthur miller asks her you know in the movie you know how did you get here or whatever and and we're supposed to know that because we've been watching the movie, but I really feel that there's a piece missing about, you know, how did she really get there? The choice in story time. This is a two hour and 40 minute movie, which is a bold choice for something that's going on streaming service. And if you have two hours and 40 minutes of content, hour 166 minutes, 
the latest thing to do is to chop that up into a six-part miniseries and call it the same thing and just right. do that and and just change a few editing and musical cues and add some credits in between, you know, different 30-minute marks. You don't even have to be exact. You can make one episode no. 20 minutes, 140. It doesn't matter anymore. It's Pam and so, Tommy if you do that. Yeah, so I do agree. you think... And but people tend to like those more. Do you, and and yep. I like in general. Like I I don't, but I am in the minority. I recognize that. So do you think people would have liked this more if this was chopped up into bite sized episodes and had credits and previously ons in between to make people uh, be able to I don't know digest it better? Would that help? I no? I think yes. And part of me is thinking like they added that polyamorous part in the beginning because it was spicy and they needed you to catch on to the movie and just continue watching it i feel like that was almost like clickbait for people yeah there's a lot of clickbaity quality to this uh as far as the yeah the the titillation right about that i still think it would have been bad but they could have again like tv show you add the last episode with something suspenseful and you're like what's gonna happen next they could have added elements of that in there because this was also very jumpy like like you said before, it was the dream element. Like, even the very. first scene, when they were driving in the fire, and I'm very bad at history, so I'm like, was the whole part of Los Angeles on fire at some point, or is this her just thinking back to how horrid her childhood was, and she associated it with just it burning everywhere? Like, uh, I, These I, are all stylistic <laughs> choices. These are all stylistic choices. Well, that's a choices. lot of fire, I mean. Yeah, so yeah, I was but, like, is this her mind, we're or the was there like a time eyes. in history where this happened? I, I couldn't even tell. But in California, in California, everyone always thinks that, you know, wildfire, the wildfires that we, that, are, that they're having out there are you know, this is all new from global warming or climate change or whatever. No, I mean, this has been going on forever because that part of the world is not supposed to be inhabited by people. It's like there is no water <laughs> out there. So there always there has always been fires like that. There's been many times that the Hollywood Hills have been on fire like that. And so that doesn't seem like a stretch to me. Her house being on fire or whatever. Because that actually, she goes back a few well, times like, in the movie like to that. It was like she was literally yeah. driving through the fire. Like it was like she was in a desert. Yeah. I think that part was definitely morphed. But well, yeah, it's supposed to be a little fan- fantastic over the top. But even even more so than that, also in the beginning, when she goes home and the mom tries to drown her, and then she runs to the neighbor's place. The mom's in a bur- it, We see her in a burning building across right. the hallway, the street. Somewhere very close yeah. to a neighbor, and she right. and you know we just see the mom go back in with the things for it. I think we're we're taking things um we're taking it big here. We're taking things surrealist and yeah. we're going uh, over the top. And that's I uh, think so too. It's probably, but I think there's there's poor filmmaking during all of that too. I feel like there's I it felt like a Toons the cat episode when she was driving the fire. Um, it was oh it, it felt was, very rear rear screen projection but I, I I thought that was part of the, I thought that was intentional I thought that was part of the charm because this is the old part they also play a lot with the with the uh, rate size ratios like it's in four three sixteen nine it goes full widescreen freak like it goes all over the place yeah I yeah. I forgot that like aspect my ratio, whole TV yeah. wasn't taken up it was like a square <laughs> yeah they they played with aspect ratios they played with color filters a lot of black and white black and they, white he, yeah. he really. He really threw, and there are like shots and like sequences that I enjoy because he throws a lot. He throws a lot at the wall, and some of it's bound to stick. The problem is, it's 
so it's um what's another another good comp david lynch's inland empire another three-hour experimental film type of movie where like there's a couple sections in that where i was like oh yeah i love this like this is really working and then hours of like oh this isn't this is unbearable and that's kind of what this is where it's like there's a couple like there's a one point when she gets starts to get addicted to barbiturates towards the end and she there's the screening of um some like it hot and like it like they're in the theater and it's like fast forwarding and it's all like oh, staticky yeah. and weird and then the movie just ends with the the, oh, the end kind of thing and like there's some stuff in like those parts like the, there's like good 90 second to three minute sequences that happen that are kind of like that that stuff's good i like that and it brings me in and that's good like filmmaking stuff but the whole thing is not cohesive and it feels no. more like a bunch of little experimental pieces Rather than super choppy. Yeah. Also, yeah. can there's a, you know I'm a big what is going on in the background sound wise. There's nothing in this but with the side people playing Fertilese over and over again. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing going on here, and that's another thing where I'm like, thank God I didn't have to go to the movie theater to see this because I would not be able to stay awake for for what's happening here. Yeah. yeah, it's part of the reason we did this so we wouldn't have to go to the theater for one, and it looks like it's backfired horribly we'll just stay no... in the theater like we're meant to um yeah there was no but... there was no background noise there's nothing but so like we, we talked about the titillation at one point this is the first nc-17 streaming movie uh so that's uh, okay. uh breaking new ground there uh so yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of just like harsh nudity scenery like just like there's the you know there's the sexy stuff but then there's also abortions several abortions there is also rape more than one rape so it goes hard in the paint when it comes to like just pushing the buttons uh and that's another criticism i've seen from critically people saying like that it's just uh it's it's too it, it's supposed to be the commentary of uh uh what is it uh, sensationalizing and um and uh exploiting uh but it's it's doing it so much that it's that it's contributing rather than commenting on uh hmm. do we is agree that what, um emrata said i like when i googled it like every article was about a comment she made uh who said that i didn't i don't, her, I don't know the i'm exact sorry quote. her name emily i don't know why i said that Emily Rada, yes. Oh, everything. The model, when I looked yeah. that up, yep, she says she accuses Marilyn Monroe film Blonde of fetishing female pain. Mm, or okay. Fetish, yeah, I've heard that critique before pain. from yeah from other. I, I I didn't know the the names, but uh, do we agree or disagree? I I see where it's coming from. I don't. That's not the problem I have with the movie. I don't think that makes it better or worse. But uh, what do you guys think? Um, um <laughs> okay hesitating i, don't I know see if, if it's i think fetish probably is the wrong word mm-hmm. okay but I, I i can see it but that's that's what the producers wanted the five producers that are on it i'm sure right. <laughs> they had a consensus like let's let's make this movie go in this direction and oh i'm sure the vision was executed i think uh i think the the filmmakers got what they wanted at, out of this it's just uh if it worked for the the audiences, I guess. Sensationalized for sure. I don't know. For me, it doesn't cross over into to fetish. There are some things that they really tried to push, like you know the the love triangle in the beginning, her use of daddy with every um, yeah. every sexual partner that she had. Um, 
And I mean, we can talk about this a little later. The fact that she, the whole, you know, thread through the movie about her dad. Um, but I think from, um, a male point of view, maybe it is it for me, it was so hard to watch and so grotesque, um, about what was happening to her. And I felt her, you know, her, um, just loneliness and her her lack yeah. of control over her own self um so so desperately that i don't know that a man i, I if a man is putting it out on the screen is it fetishizing it you know is that what it's doing just or inherently is that actually, like uh well yeah or does that person actually feel that you know that what's going on um it was, I can't, what Anna de Armas had to go through for that seems really, um, a lot. I, I feel like as an actress, this has probably been a, a real, was really a rough role for her to do. So. Yeah, it's, um, it's demanding. She, she's, uh, and she speaks positively about the film. She's happy with it. It sounds like, um, uh, and people, and people's, the, the most positive points have been about her performance. So I think that's, right. uh, yeah. So that's that. Yeah. I mean, but I the, feel like, is she positive about it? Because this is really, I mean, even though she is, you know, sort of maybe a de facto Bond girl at some point, it's not the same as this is her first, you know, Knives Out was a little fun thing that, you know, was, was great and amusing and, and fun to watch, but this is considered a serious role. And she really was the only you know, she was it. So, She's the highlight. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, it would be hard, I think, for her to come out and, and not be supportive of, of the film. So does it put her yeah, in well, the we just, we just saw, we well? just saw a Maybe. whole, we just saw a whole movie with people not supporting each other on a film. So it's, 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 it's not impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, did you, uh, did you see, don't worry. Did you see, don't worry, darling Jess? Yeah, you weren't on the show, but. Um, no, I, I will see that though. I want to see it. So don't give, don't I'm, give I'm curious away. to get your take, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I right. can already tell I'm not going to like it because I'm of the reviews, but I am very curious. I do want to see that. So don't give anything away, but um, no. not to compare experiences to experiences, but. Watching the Aretha Franklin movie, she also had a terrible upbringing and basically a terrible rest of her life. But that was, I'm not going to say easier to watch, it was also hard. But this one was just, oh. Marilyn just seemed so helpless. And at least Aretha Franklin, you saw like her as a person and her going through it. And this is like, I think, too artsy to even, yeah. it's, like she's, yeah. it's like she's acting through it. And then one of the one of the things that really annoys me about this movie is I understand back in the 30s or whatever the actresses spoke in a very theatrical voice but Marilyn she speaks like that the entire movie like even to her friends or even to anyone like she just is always talking like she's acting and then she gets mad that she can't differentiate Norma Jean versus Marilyn Monroe but it seems like she's her whole life is an act just based off of how she comes across. Is it like the Britney Spears voice where like, she's always, she has that like this kind of like upper fried voice. And then, but you hear no, her, definitely like, not Britney in, like, Spears. It's just like, um, I'm trying to com- uh, like find how a the actresses talked in the early, like 
Dorothy from Oh, the um, mid the ah, see, the mid the mid-Atlantic accent or the not mid-Atlantic. I, I guess, is that what it was called? I can't I don't know how to describe it. Maybe Mama Kay knows what I'm trying to say, but it's like I get that women talk like that on TV, but she talked like that even off camera. But you don't know that she did. I mean, we we assume that she did, but anytime that she's on camera, she's Marilyn. So, you know, yeah, but in, but in this movie, as Norma like, Jean, but in this movie, but in this she did, movie, definitely. We, that's what I'm saying. In this movie, when she's talking to the two guys at the beginning, yeah. uh, Cass and Eddie, she's talking like Marilyn Monroe talks, how we know Marilyn Monroe talks. Right. So, but I think she'd yeah, have she didn't... to because we, nobody knows in otherwise, you know. Well, knows. I mean, I'm sure. Like even, even in her day to day, it seemed like she's just always acting. Right. Well, I, that, and, and, but, that, but that would feed into what, I mean, that's what she says about herself, is that she feels like she's always pretending to be a person. She doesn't feel like she's ever really herself, but I don't know. Right. And also, yeah. maybe her voice is just that, that like, uh, that longing, that inflection or that longing sound, like, that might just be, oh, that's how she talked. I have no, I have no idea if that, that's how she talked in her day-to-day, but. Yeah, it can it, it might that be, she but... just, yeah, that she lost herself completely, like, she was just. And the voice is one of the things that just never left her. That was now her. That was now part of her, whether that was really Norma Jean or not. You know, that's. Yeah. But the, the way that the, the movie's constructed, it's like you don't even know much about the character. Like you're it's just right. you're just watching her. It's not even like some movies you're like, oh, I felt how she felt that or I know what she's thinking. Or I know what she would do next. This one is just more flowy. So. Right. And, and that's what makes it like the sensationalist part of it is that you are, you feel voyeuristic in it too. And is that what, is that another fetish that they're trying to fulfill is that the person who's watching it is also a voyeur. Like that's, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be watching this. We shouldn't be seeing the stuff in behind the scenes or, you know, whatever Marilyn was like when she was Norma Jean. It, it felt, it did, it felt, it felt icky to be, no, to be knowing these things when they did some of that with the filmmaking, like when the like the JFK scene, we yeah. see like low angles and through blinds, and uh, the one, and then like the one where uh, Joe DiMaggio is coming home to beat the shit out of her, we see him like running up the stairs, and it's like kind of close camera and like shaky cam, like I like I like the filmmaking, a lot of the filmmaking choices on an individual scene by scene basis as a whole movie constructed together. It doesn't work as a narrative piece and it's not quite like groundbreaking or amazing enough to be like a surrealist masterpiece. Like it's not like it's not like a perfect that kind of movie. And people go in expecting a narrative. <laughs> people like people are used to Rocket Man and 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 uh, Aretha, the, the respect and all these traditional biopics. So you go in with uh, with Josh Chang's Capone style, and it and it's very jarring and weird. And while I like a lot of the weird choices, doesn't doesn't make for a cohesive movie for the kind of story that I think this. I know, it's almost like Marilyn Monroe got the short stick, like, you watched Rita Franklin, yeah, she had terrible upbringing, but you learned a lot about her, and you, like, play on play respected her even more. Right. Um, Just like the film said. Yeah, Elvis (laughs) kind of had the terrible upbringing, too, and a lot of bad relationship with drugs, so after you watched that, you were like, wow, so many people loved him, he touched so many lives, like, that's kind of cool with Marilyn you just kind of feel like she was taken advantage of she didn't have any control of her life and she was just kind of thrown around and maybe right. that was yes. it but I feel like it was not like compared to the other movies she kind of got 
it wasn't fair of how uh, you feel about her at the end. Yeah. So are we going to recommend Blonde Mama K? Wait, I have a question. For, I have a question first. Sorry. I hate to do this. But uh, so the the dad thing. So what happened? Oh, we didn't say anything about the dad thing. Oh, she called, she's long for her dad. I'm curious what's going to happen. Daddy. Yeah. So like last I saw, she was just trying to find her dad. Or she was like, oh, I work at the studio. He does. I've been looking at old pictures to see if I can find any evidence of him. And yeah. And then obviously so, she tries to find her dad and everyone else. <laughs> so she starts to get letters from her dad. And he starts to have this commentary of what's on what's going on in her life, particularly when she either has uh, an abortion or loses a baby. He seems to be very uh, judgmental about this, these things. And he's like, I would really love to see you, but I'm very ill and I hope to see you soon, honey. And we find out at the end that it's, I, I knew it wasn't going to be her dad. That was not the, I was thinking it was going to be some weird stalker fan. But we find out at the end that it's one of the guys that are in that trio, that Gemini trio in the beginning that oh, is yeah. doing this to her. Oh. In, I think it's Eddie. In a so meanful, spiteful way. And we're led to believe that that's why she actually overdosed. So that's part of what sucks about like the whole narrative. And like, if that, yeah. if that kind of stuff were true, I would like, that would be such an interesting, tragic thing. And as a character, like if this wasn't Marilyn Monroe, but this was a fictionalized, a star is born kind of thing that I would really like that. It's the, these are like real people. And like, Oh, did he really pretend to be the father so that he could get right. back the one, the, the two guys at the beginning who like Joe DiMaggio just seems like a prick and we, and yeah. you get Ar- Arthur Miller like is very into himself like any writer would be. But the two guys at the beginning, you at least felt a ge- you, even you, like you wanted to believe you wanted to be like, yeah, they really do have a genuine kinship with her. And they're not just using her like all the other guys in the movie. They really do. And then no, that's not the case. Uh, I didn't have to know that. That's that's more <laughs> twisted. Oh, Je- Jess, I, I I usually upset when you pay out of a movie, but you uh, you would have only hated it more if you kept watching. Yeah, it. Yeah, you really you really would have. I think you I and uh, and you've brought you've brought good points here as we have all. Yeah. So are we going all to right. recommend Blonde? If I was well, one, one more thing. If I was Marilyn Please. Monroe's family watching this, and who knows, maybe I am because Monroe is my name. Um, I would be <laughs> sad. Yeah, I would be just upset with how they made her look. And if this is what all these big names like Brad Pitt or whatever produced about her, I would not get rid of it. Yeah. All right. I agree. Well, then, how about now? How about now? Are we oh, recommending sorry, it now? Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I am not I am not recommending this movie. I, I can't. Just? I couldn't even recommend it to myself. So can't recommend it to somebody else i will say for, for the official for the official tally i don't know if just as i can really count because uh even though you did bring some good good points here you did not complete the film but uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter anyway because i also don't recommend so it's uh three not recommends i if it if it had kept up the pace or like the semblance of a structure that the first 45 minutes to 50 minutes like honestly the part where you quit jess after the first abortion right. that's I would call that the high. I would call that like, all right, this is interestingly shot. It's got weird perspectives. I'm curious where this goes. I like the styles. And then the Joe DiMaggio scene happens, and it kind of deflates the room of all the energy, and then it never recovers, and it becomes weirder and badder as it goes. So uh, there you go. No no recommends from us here for Blonde. Uh, Coming up... 
back to the theaters to look for more not this. Uh, we got <laughs> Bros. I'm excited to see Bros, the Billy Eichner film. Uh, yeah. It looks quite quite fun. Uh, we've got Amsterdam. It's a David O. Russell movie. I've seen the reviews on that, so... Yeah, we'll why, why are we, we doing... Is Jess doing... Oh, not Jess. Is, is Nicole doing that one? Because I, I would think that she would want David O. Russell canceled, so, you know. Why? Oh, no, I don't... You know, why did I ask? No, I don't... We, we'll why? get to that later. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know what David O. Russell did, so we'll have to wait till later. Uh, okay. Tar, Till, other things. Films with the Women of My Life on Facebook. Reach out to me on Instagram. I'm Brennan underscore Podhost. And you can email the show, filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Thank you guys for being on for Blonde. Thank you. Till next time, this is Brennan signing off saying thanks for listening and enjoy your Thanks for listening to Films with the Women in My Life. If you enjoyed being a listener in our life, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Keep up with the latest from the show on Instagram at Brennan underscore podhost, on Facebook at Films with the Women in My Life, and on Twitter at Films Women Pod. Finally, you can email the show with questions and suggestions at filmswiththewomen at gmail.com. Original music for the show was created by Ian Burke and Chris Iwanek. Original artwork created by Nicole D'Alessio. This show is produced by Brennan Snyder. Thank you again for listening and enjoy your movies. Thank you.